Hello and welcome to Cloud Insider's Tech Focus, brought to you by Extrovert. Today we are talking about service-defined firewall. We are talking with Steve Wood, a senior consultant for Extrovert. Hello, Steve. Hi, Steve. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. How's about yourself? Yeah, very good. Looking forward to this. Ah, <laughs> oh, so good to hear. So, Steve, would you be able to briefly outline what service-defined firewall is and what business challenges it solves? Yeah, of course. So service-defined firewall is a new offering from VMware using existing product sets. So it's the amalgamation of AppDefense, which we've talked about previously on Cloud Insiders, mm -hmm. and also NSX micro-segmentation, which we've also talked about. So it's quite cool that the third time I'm on here, we're talking about both products again, but as one service offering. Um, and, and the real challenge is the, the application and service landscape is so dynamic now that existing firewalls, which has fairly static content, just can no longer keep up. And that's the real business challenge that uh, service-defined firewall is, is you know set to solve. It's uh, funny, we were talking with Ian Jenkins from the NSX department of VMware the other day, and he was saying uh, that when it comes to security and firewalling and stuff, it has now moved from the big eating the small, and it's now just the fast catching the slow. So the slowest to react are just getting blown away by how fast the technology is moving. Yeah, it's, re it's really come on. And, and if you look at the, the history and the life cycle of uh, NSX and the security side, so micro-segmentation, um, so, you know, there was the initial release of micro-segmentation um, back when uh, VMware acquired Nicira and, and announced NSX. And then there was sort of micro-segmentation 2.0, which did some uh, L7 sort of context fil filtering, so a little bit more intelligence. And obviously, we've got micro-segmentation service-defined firewall, so 3.0, which leverages app defense. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really moved on in the, in the few years I've been working with the product. And so it's called service-defined firewall. What makes it a service and not a software-defined? Um, yes, yeah, so I guess as I was saying before, um, it, applications and services are just constantly changing. Also, they're in different platforms, um, different flavors. So you've got VMs, bare metal, containers, um, and it's just a constantly changing landscape. So you need a, a security policy that can also constantly change and adapt as the service and the application does. I think that's hence the, uh, the you know, that sort of explains the service defined part there. Cool. So is there anything out there that's anything like this? Um, no, is the, is the quick answer. <laughs> um, the reason being a lot of traditional sort of enterprise firewalls, including some sort of next gen firewalls, are designed to block threats at the network perimeter. So service-defined firewall, NSX and AppDefense, VMware obviously have a unique position to be able to bake that into the hypervisor, which is massive. And if you think about that for a few seconds, what, what does that mean? So the attack surface or the attack vector is normally inside the operating system, so mm -hmm. inside the OS. Um, and, and the key differentiator here is the fact that App Defense and NSX are outside the attack surface, so they're inside the vSphere hypervisor. So there isn't an agent that runs inside the guest. We also leverage App Verification Cloud, which is a cloud-based solution where all the um, AI machine learning takes place. So VMware obviously have a massive footprint and can leverage all the data that they're churning from various different customers and, and their own R&D labs and sources like Carbon Black that they've just recently acquired. To, to really understand what is known good. Yeah. Um, and, and that's all done in the cloud, so it's not on-premises. So again, it's it's distributed and, and separate. 
that's what it is. That's why it's different. That's why it's so cool. That's brilliant. So what environments are best suited to service defined firewall? Can you go anywhere that a user has vSphere installed? Yeah, pretty much. So um, again, service defined firewall is just the combined service offering of NSX and App Defense. So the best place to go is the VMware um, website and you've got the compatibility matrix. So you, as long as you can run App Defense and you can run NSX, uh, and you have the correct version of vSphere and any other um, VMware products, just check the interoperability matrix on the VMware site and uh, it will let you know if you can run those. Awesome. So you actually wrote an article for us not that long ago, all on the service to find um, firewall and you know how brilliant it's going to be. You mentioned how it goes beyond layer seven inspection. Could you give us a brief breakdown of like Dante's seven layers of networking? <laughs> yeah, okay. So um, to give you a bit of an insight as to how these podcasts work, Stu sent me over a bit of a script beforehand. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, how, how am I going to explain this on a podcast? Um, <laughs> so I did a little bit of research and I've actually pinched somebody else's uh, analogy on this, which is quite cool. So yeah, let, let me let me run with that. Okay, so seven pillars of the OSI model. So the first one, if you like, if we start the other way around, so start with the user, um, which is above the application layer. So here's, here's an analogy. So let's say I know I'll write a letter. So the user has the idea to write a letter. So the layer seven, which is the application layer, in this scenario would be the pen and paper. Okay, so you've got the user who decides to write a letter. The layer seven, the app layer, is the pen and paper. Right. Layer six, the presentation layer, would be deciding to write that letter in English. Okay. Okay. So we've had the idea to write a letter. We're going to do it on pen and paper, and now we're going to do it in English. Okay, that's how we're going to present it. Layer five, the session layer, would be to make sure that my letter fits on a single page. If not, I need to number the pages so it arrives in the right order. Yeah, and that's exactly the same in the networking um, stack. So if we're going to send a large amount of data, we need to make sure all the packets arrive in sequence. And, and that's that's what we're doing in the session layer. Um, layer four is, is kind of in two, right? So there's a transport layer, which is the upper side, which is deciding that I'm going to write to Kieran as opposed to Lee. Okay, so it's make, deciding who you're going to address the letter to. The lower part of the transport layer, so still layer four, but the lower part of it is saying, and actually like special delivery on that. So I get a, so I get a signature when it gets there because I need to know it's been received. So layer three, the network layer, the post office sees that the destination is Newcastle uh, and it will get placed in groups for all the other mail that, that is going to Newcastle. Layer two, the data link layer, sorts that mail and puts it into the Newcastle bag with all the other um, mail that's going to Newcastle, okay? And the physical layer is, of course, the postman, okay? So that how that mail in that bag then gets to Newcastle. So it goes in a car, a van, um, or a road. So it's the, the physical part of delivering that letter. So... <laughs> I saw that explanation for it was actually quite good at explaining it for people that maybe aren't too network savvy or, or maybe aren't too familiar with, with that model. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, I think I need some sort of medal or award for that, Stephen. I will whip something up and then we will uh, send it in the post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look forward to it. Yeah, it's a good job Broadmail on part of the network because we'd never get anything. It'd always be late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Royal Mail. They try their best. <laughs> So, since NSX came around half a decade ago, 
uh, we've been talking about how microsegmentation defends us against lateral movement within a perimeter firewall. How is a uh, service defined firewall boosting the toolset of the already mighty microseg? Okay, so let me try and provide an example of maybe how an attack would happen and then with and without service defined firewall. And maybe you can see how it complements microsegmentation. So let's give this a go. In this scenario, let's say you've got a free tier app. So you've got a web tier, an app tier, and a database tier. And you might have antivirus that runs inside those free VMs. And then you've got a traditional firewall that opens port 80 or 443 to the web server because that's a compulsory port. You need that port open for the application to run. Mm -hmm. I'm an attacker. I come along and there's some sort of unpatched vulnerability on that web server that allows me to connect into your network via port 80. Um, so now I'm inside the web server. Okay, so I've got into your network. I've passed the perimeter firewall and I'm actually on the web server itself due to some unpatched vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So once I'm on that, the first thing generally an attacker is going to do is try and disable any tool sets inside that OS that are going to prevent it from completing the attack. So the first thing that goes are antivirus, very predictable. You know, there's only certain vendors in that market. So it's quite easy for people to come up with a, an attack on the AV and disable it. So now I've killed your antivirus. I can really start doing what I want. And in a traditional sense, there's nothing stopping me really from moving laterally across the network because remember the firewall was only at the perimeter and we've already yeah. passed that. So I can run all sorts of attacks, you know, brute force passwords, try and get access to SQL database and expose the data. And if I, if I couldn't do that, you know, you could just drop in some ransomware, you know, yeah. just for fun. <laughs> or a Bitcoin and, uh, miner and you yeah, know, use all your CPU. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that's the traditional sense. So what service-defined firewall really does to improve that, if, if we rerun this with those elements in, and I, and I can explain what it does. So again, we've still got port 80 open to the web server. We might still have the same vulnerability. So the attacker can still get into the web server, okay? Because mm -hmm. the vulnerability is not patched. We're not solving that challenge yet, okay? Yeah. Once you're on the web server, depending on how you have app defense configured, the attacker can do one or two things. If app defense is just an alert mode, the attacker can still move around inside the web server. So you can try and launch processes, fire up PowerShell scripts to try and brute force passwords. App defense is just going to be sitting there. It's going to be recording everything that attacker does and sending alerts to you, but it's not going to do anything to stop that threat. Yeah. Now, if the attacker tries and moves laterally, it isn't going to be able to because you've got a firewall in there now. So it can only necessarily move from the web server to the SQL server on that port. And that might not be uh, you know, a known attack vector. It might not be able to do what it wants over those specific ports because you've got micro segmentation. So it can't easily now move laterally within the data center. If app defense was deployed in block mode, as soon as you arrived on that VM and did anything that was different from the known good, and this is the key point. So app defense, along with the um, app verification cloud, knows the known good state of that VM. So as, you, as soon as you fire up putty, or as soon as you fire up a command prompt or a PowerShell script, it knows that's not normal behavior. And it can be really aggressive with what it does next. So it can shut the VM down. It can quarantine it. And by quarantine, I mean it can, can suspend the VM, or it can apply firewall rules to that VM that isolate it from the network 
and only one VM on your network that might have some of the tool sets like additional antivirus tools to be able to clean up the threat. So as soon as that attacker does anything, AppDefense kicks in and locks it all down. Uh, and that is the key difference here. And leveraging micro-segmentation and AppDefense, they work in tandem to, to you know, prevent any of these attacks moving laterally within the data center. Perfect. So hopefully that was a good enough explanation, Stu. Well, if I understood it, then everyone can understand it. So, yep, I think that was beautifully done. So, as a man who has obviously watched far too many movies, how does the solution defend itself? I mean, would all policies and behaviours be known and compromised from a single centralised source in this case? So, yeah, it's a good question, right? It's not just like there's one kill switch. You know, VMware are a little bit cleverer than that. So let me try and explain it. So the, the approach, the, the service-defined firewall is multifaceted. So you've got on-premise parts and you've got cloud parts. So if we talk about the on-premise parts, so NSX and AppDefense, the key here is their positioning. They're inside the hypervisor. They're not inside the guest. So with our previous analogy, the attacker gets on the web server. They've disabled the antivirus, but they can't disable app defense and they can't disable NSX because it's inside the hypervisor. You know, the attacker does not have um, access to that. You know, there's really no such thing as a VM escape. It's a bit of an urban myth, right? They can't escape out of that VM and get inside the hypervisor. It's, it's secure from that sense. Then the cloud side, which is where all the um, AI machine learning takes place, is distributed and secure. So it's not on-premises. So again, that's a completely different attack surface, you know, isolated from the attacker inside the, the web server. So yeah, there's not just one weak point. There's, there's, there's multiple different points that are all very, very secure because they're not in the normal attack service of, uh, of an attack. Brilliant. So how do you see it paving the way for the future of um, VMware networking technologies? So the, the key here is the AI and machine learning aspects of the solution. VMware are, are very keen to leverage AI and machine learning elsewhere in the stack. Um, so maybe something that would be pretty cool is we're leveraging AI and machine learning to automatically secure VMs. Okay, so we know what's known good. We can automatically um, create firewall rules for those apps, which is pretty cool when you think about it. So you spin up an application, we monitor it, or, or we use the tool set and, and a massive amount of information that's in App Verification Cloud to understand that app. We know what it's meant to do. We automatically create the firewall rules. I think the next sort of future steps would be, wouldn't it be really cool if then we could just automatically create different network aspects for that application? So. If it's you know, a web server and you've got multiple web servers, then you're probably going to want a load balancer. So why don't we just automatically deploy a load balancer for you and configure it? So I think that is probably the direction that would be good to head in with AI machine learning, automate more of the network, not just the security aspects. Yeah, because we're recording this in the week that they've announced NSX T 2.5 and NSX Intelligence. Absolutely. I'm, li I'm literally, because we only discussed this pre-show, sat here on a uh, VMware blog trying to work out what this means. Have you got any uh, information on it as of yet? Yeah, yeah, so I think NSX Intelligence is the, it's a cool name, and it's the start of VMware's big vision on AI machine learning. So they've started with service-defined firewall, and it is a bit of a breakout of that, but maybe a little bit of a look into the future as to what VMware are planning to do with AI machine learning, and, and NSX Intelligence is the brand name there. So yeah, maybe maybe they are looking at automating the rest of the network piece. Um, it would make sense, right? Start with the security first, because 
that's always a big ask and it's a real concern now. You just have to look at some of the recent fines for data breaches, especially in the UK. There's been some record fines this year, yeah. the last. So security inside the data center, lateral movement is a massive concern to businesses. So yeah, it makes sense to use AI machine learning to help in that area. Automation and uh, time to market is probably second to that. And I think that's probably where NSX Intelligence is, is going to head in that direction. And beautiful. Have you got any further tips or insights for people looking to better secure their environment? Yeah, of course. Um, why don't you reach out to us at Extrovert? Um, the team are really experienced. We've deployed micro segmentation and app defense in a whole host of verticals, defense and finance being some of the most interesting. So reach out to us. Uh, it's a joined up approach with um, NSX and, and app defense. In the past, if customers only had NSX and micro segmentation, we'd use tools like um, vRealize Network Insight to help look at their uh, application portfolio and, and suggest rules, which we could then integrate into NSX. The cool thing about the service defined firewall is NSX kind of leans on app defense to provide that information. And again, using app verification cloud and analyzing your apps, app defense will actually suggest rule sets for you. So, yeah, it's a little bit more of a joined up approach than just deploying micro segmentation on its own yeah you say about nsx but it's rather essential to say at this point that nsx t is a must isn't it because nsx v is actually um on its way out i believe it's january 2021 it's set for its own demise yeah absolutely sort of a very good point to raise so customers who are on nsx v need to be aware that the end of general support is january 2022 which sounds like it's a long way away but it's not so really, as a business, you want to be on NSXT in the next 12 months. You don't want to be leaving this to the last minute. And a lot of organizations need to be planning their budgets for next year or already have. So you really need to start planning the upgrade from NSXV to NSXT now. Um, they are two different products. They work in two separate ways. Um, there are toolkits and migration toolkits coming from VMware. VMware know this is uh, something they need to focus on for the next 12 months. So they're putting a lot of R&D and automated scripts um, to move customers from V to T, but it still needs some consultancy to manage this process. So you know, absolutely reach out to us if you're on NSXV uh, and we can work out a plan and a timescale that fits around you to help you move from V to T. But you've got to do it before Jan 20. 22 if you want to remain in support brilliant if anyone's a little bit confused about what the difference between nsxt and nsxv uh, we actually released a uh, episode back in august so if you want to check that out on cloudinsiders.fm you can there steve anything else you need to add or i think we're good brilliant in which case steve thank you so so much i mean that's been hugely insightful and you've like opened up my eyes to so many other elements of um, networking as well which is always massively helpful yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool offering from VMware, especially the AI and the uh, machine learning part. So that's pretty cool and, and different, right? So it's uh, you know, it's good to work with that technology. I mean, ultimately, this is just stage one of the future for VMware's networking, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's kind of a snapshot into what, what direction VMware are heading in. Brilliant. If anyone would like to reach out and chat to you about this or any of the other episodes that you've been on, how's best to get hold of you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, so at surfing underscore clouds uh, and LinkedIn or via the extrovert website.
That's absolutely brilliant. And uh, to anyone who wants to hear more episodes of Cloud Insiders, you can find us at cloudinsiders.fm. You can follow us on Twitter at Cloud Insiders. We're now available across all your favorite podcast downloading sites. We're now on Spotify and we've got every episode up on YouTube. We can also be found on iTunes. And if you want, you can leave us a lovely comment and a five star rating. Anything below five and we will hunt you down. Um, Steve, thank you so, so much. Yeah, no, thank you, Stu. It's been good. It's been great. Cheers. Cheers.